Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So stay with us as right now we present... And welcome to the show, everybody. It is a Thursday afternoon. It is the week before Christmas. And all through the house, everybody was, I don't know what everybody was doing, but I'm telling you, Christmas is here all together too soon. And then it'll be gone, and then it'll be back. And it'll seem like three months, and it'll be back. Uh, in any event, we've got a great show for you today. Cayetana is with us, as she always is on Thursday. Hello, young lady. How you doing? Oh, hello, young man. How you doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> <laughs> what, are you looking for a raise? <laughs> no. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I, I'm really good. And we're featuring, and I got to tell you, this gentleman is... Um, He's become a god to me. He's he's a uh, um, stand-up comic, a author, a television producer. He's he's done and a disc jockey for a long time, uh, working all over the country. And he got to fly in in Air Force jet or Air Force helicopters, looking at uh, sharks and stuff. He's been he's done it all. Dick, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? Uh, very good, and uh, welcome to the future, both K and K. It's the K and K show. Uh, I'm in Auckland, New Zealand, so where I am right now, I am one day ahead of you. So I, I know what everyone here, we all know what happens uh, in your tomorrow. But we are sworn to secrecy. We can't tell you what's going to happen. Everything's going to be fine, though. I'll just say, it, except for one thing. But the rest of it is going to be absolutely fine, except that one thing. So don't worry. Everything will be fine. What is the, uh, I, the question is begged to be asked. What is the one thing? You can't, I can, we, we, we have, we, the citizenship paperwork, you sign, say, don't tell people the future. And so we, yeah. I can't tell you, I can't tell you whatsoever, but I'll, I will say avoid people named Steve. That's, that, I, I actually already, already said too much. I have already said too much. My no, name is Steve. <laughs> it's beautiful here, though. It's it's uh, summer where we are, and so right now it's about. Um, it doesn't get too hot here in Auckland. It's about seventy five, uh, seventy seven degrees, but the sun here is is like we've got a bit of a hole in the ozone that floats around. It's kind of like the eye of Sauron when you go out there on occasion. In fact, the first time I uh, I experienced this. We're walking down uh, the road. We just had just gotten a country, and I'm a bit fair-skinned. Um, yes, regardless you are. of my heritage, I'm quite fair-skinned. And so, walking down the road, and I turned to my wife. I go, I, turn, I said to her, "I can feel myself burning." <laughs> I, 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 it was like I could hear the sizzling on the back of my calves. And but I went in, and I and I, I spoke to the guy there, and he said, "Yeah, yeah, our, our our son is so bad down here. We've got one of the highest rates of skin cancer in the world. So everybody tries to cover up as much as possible." Uh, but no, it's but aside from you know, it's beautiful, and warm, partly cancer. But aside from that, it's 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 gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. <clears throat> well, at least you're not going to be bitten by anything and then get cancer. No. No, no, no. That's that's Australia. They've got poisonous everything over there. They have poisonous, they have poisonous snakes and spiders and jellyfish. They have poisonous Australians, from what I understand. Um, they've yeah. got everything, everything over there. Here, you 
you can walk through the bush, as we call it here, the woods. Uh, you can walk through the bush barefooted. And that's what people do. That's what's nuts. So the, the, we don't have, you know, when you go into a grocery store, it says no shoes, no shirt, no service. Right. You, you No shoes everywhere. It's like Fred Flintstone just, this is a Fred Flintstone <laughs> land, man. In fact, a buddy of mine, he said he went to New York and he was at a hotel. And a, not everybody, but I mean, they're just used to not wearing shoes. It's just something they, they do. And uh, he said that he went outside to grab something at uh, at just like a corner store and came back in. And the doorman didn't want to let him in because he thought he was homeless. <laughs> because he didn't have shoes on. He says, no, 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 we just don't wear shoes all the time. And that, again, I'm not clear. I'm not saying everybody's running around bare feet, but it's just, it's a casual, this is how I like to do it. And they do it. So it's pretty great. Now, is it cold there in the wintertime? Uh, if you go farther south, which, you know, of course, I, we're on the other it's, side yeah. of the world, so further south you go, it gets colder. And so, yeah, so down like Embicargill and Dunedin, it can get kind of chilly. Uh, we ended up doing uh, like Mount Ruapehu. We did the Tongariro Crossing, which is this huge, just this big trail because they've got walking trails. And New Zealand is known for like their, their walks, their great walks. So we went on that and we started at the bottom and this would have been right around this time uh, last year in the summer. But the, by the time we get up to the summit of this, it was <laughs> it was full on blizzard and snow blowing and it was nuts, man. But up here in Auckland, it kind of stays in a bit of, a, you know, it rarely gets to freezing even in the, in the winter and it never gets super, super hot. It's just there's no... Um, People don't do like central heat and air here. Everything is like these um, these heating units uh, on the walls. So you, you go in somewhere and everybody has just a unit. And so uh, and you which is, I guess, more efficient because you're just cooling or heating one room instead of the entire house. Mm -hmm. uh, but for the most part, you you almost never turn it on. I've got it breezy slightly right now. But um, but other than that, it stays in a nice, comfortable temperature all most of the year round. Well, that's that's pretty cool. So the the um, architecture of like restaurants and stuff like that. Do they have the walls that go all the way to the floor? Like in Hawaii, they don't have everything go all the way to the floor. There's like a gap because it never right. gets cold enough, and so the cats can come in and out of where you're <laughs> dining and stuff like that. Um, now we've got we've got birds that come all the time, and we actually we made a big. A huge faux pas when we first got here. Got some uh, kiwi frowny faces uh, because we're sitting at a cafe and these cool birds are coming by and we're feeding them. And it's just that's you don't do that because <laughs> all it does is bring more birds. But we thought it was really neat. Uh, but yeah, you, anywhere you go in, they love their birds here, man. They love their birds. In fact, there's one politician here who runs on a platform to kill cats <laughs> because they love birds so much. His platform is kill the cats. <laughs> I mean, I might be simplifying it just a little bit, but basically that's it. Um, there is a, you know, there there is still love, obviously, for our kitties and puppies, and we have both of those at home. But this is a huge, this is a huge bird um sanctuary to some extent i mean back when like all the continents were all smashed together uh before like mammals came up what was it called gawana or gatwana or something like that something so like then that, new yeah. zealand new zealand just broke off you know, decided i'm out of here <laughs> and you know i don't want to be at home anymore you guys you know restricted me and so we broke off before the mammals came around and so everybody for the most part the only mammal we've got the only endemic mammal here is a bat that's Ooh. all we got everything else is birds we do have some mammals here, but they were brought in. Like we have like skinks and stoats 
and I don't know what they are, but it was funny. So, so someone brought rabbits in and someone thought, listen, that's the rabbits now are everywhere. But basically some like Brits brought them in because they were like, we want to hunt them because they taste good and they're kind of fun to shoot. And so they brought those in and there's, the rabbits had no natural predators. So someone got the great idea. Well, let's find some of these stoats and they can go in and kill the rabbits. Well, what does that do? Now you got a stoat problem. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. And so eventually, I think they went two or three, four deep, and they were like, "Let's stop bringing animals in. This is not going well." <laughs> we just ended up having one animal that is just king of all the other mammals. So, but other than that, like I said, there's nothing. There only there's one spider. There's one a white-tailed spider that'll bite you, and you get a little bit of a rash. But that's Australian. It snuck in. And you can hear it coming because it's like, oh, I'm going to bite you. And you can tell. <laughs> and you can tell by the accent. And it announces itself. And so you avoid the white, you avoid the white tail spiders as much as you can. Well, you guys are a lot, or those guys, because you're one of us. Uh, they're, right. they're, they're a lot smarter than we are because we, we do things like, I'm going to get myself a pet python. And when it gets too big, I don't want it anymore, so I'm just going to let it go. Yeah. And that's that's what happened with snakehead fish, right, up in the Northeast. So somebody brought in a snakehead fish because their wife was really sick, and then the wife got better. Like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll flush it. And then the snakehead fish got into the system and propagated, and there's parts like in the Northeast in the U.S. And this fish, have you heard about this? This fish no. can walk across land. It's insane. Google it. There's a lot of Googling when I speak. But Google it, snakehead fish. It's horrifying. It's like it's, it's like – it's a little bit like, you know, down in the southeast, if you've seen kudzu, and that was back during like the Dust Bowl, right, where, where you know, there, there wasn't anything that uh, they, they could plant and stay, the grass and all that stuff because of the drought. And then it was like a world fair. Uh, and, they, and so the Japanese kudzu was there and it just grows like mad. They're like, hey, listen, if we put this in the ground, this will save our soil. And so they planted it all over the place. But the kudzu didn't have any natural like insect predators. And if you go to Atlanta, it's just it's nuts looking. It's just kudzu growing over trees. I mean, through buildings. It's crazy. Looking. Yeah. The land of unintended consequences. Yeah, you, if you're going to bring something in, have a bit of a plan. And we didn't have that 100 years ago. We just thought, oh, this will work. And it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking with uh, somebody earlier today that was in uh, South America where Cayetana comes from. And, and she said that they had, they, they actually, oh, she was a chiropractor. And she they actually ran over um, a, a um, python that was that big around it was like wow. bump bump and, and it's like and that snake needed a chiropractor after they were the <laughs> well and that's the thing you know like ozzy has snakes there are no snakes here they've got some real strict biosecurity rules when you come into country in fact yeah. you know you, you can't bring any like any seeds you can't bring like citrus you can't bring any of that stuff in uh, ozzy has one too but you know they're full of criminals and so every now and then one sneaks in because they don't really pay attention <laughs> and so they uh so but they've got poisonous snakes over there like by the bucket loads and so far fingers crossed we don't have anything like that here it's nice well, they have like nine of the ten most deadliest snakes in the world i saw that on television yeah yeah and they're shooting for the tenth they're doing what they can to bring that one in because they want to get they want to get the full set uh you know they want to get the whole set you no, don't no, want to set you don't want an incomplete set of poison snakes. It's just you feel like you're missing something. It's yeah. like a dining room set. It's perfect. <laughs> exactly. Exactly right. But they'll get it. I, I, I believe in them. 
Have you ever seen the quakas? So, they've got they've got these quakas, and they, they look a little bit like they're on the west by Perth, and they're these cute little things. They look like squirrels with smiles, but bigger heads. And these quakas out there, and they're, they're the sweetest things in the world right now. Right now, they're sweet, and they look very cute. And you can Google quaka. <laughs> um, but you take a look. They're so cool, but I, you leave them in Australia for a couple of years and it's going to be fanged quokka. You'll see it's coming. You watch it. It's coming. I know it's going to be coming. Oh, wow. <laughs> it, it's amazing. Uh, Kaitana, I, gotta, I, I want Dick to tell you the story of the bird that eats the, the, uh, um, of the uh, berry uh, in, the, in the morning and then uh, is waiting for like happy so hour in the afternoon. It's the Tui, Kaitan. Are you? Are you? Do you like birds? You, I love birds. You, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. What is one of your favorites? Uh, because you got oh. some beautiful birds in South South America. Oh, in South America. Oh, you know, I really like parrots. So they like beating me. Uh, so I try to stay away from them. And I don't. Um, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of chickens and and roosters and all the ones that people eat because they're aggressive sometimes. But then I like to see little birds. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, we uh, we <laughs> we actually have what's called the alpine parrot here um, yeah. as the Kia, <clears throat> and it's it's quite large too. I mean, it's big, uh, and it's really curious. And in fact, uh, I remember growing up, I got a book from my grandparents because they lived here because half my family's Kiwi, and they sent me this book about it. But these Kia, they'll <laughs> they're they're known for just eating cars, not the whole car. But they'll like hop up onto a car and start chewing at the wipers and all that. They're just really, really curious. But you were asking about the Tui. So the Tui is this cool little bird. And so what happens is the Tui, they also call it the Parson bird. And I think it's because it's got a little white fluff under underneath its chin. So it looks mm -hmm. like it's got like a preacher's collar. So it goes, and this this bird, talk about evolution. This bird has worked this out, um, that, that it could take berries and put the berries in its throat. And then leave them in its throat and let the stomach acids churn on that. And then through the day that eventually turns into alcohol. <laughs> and so I was sitting with somebody at a Marai at one point, uh, which is like this Mari, um gathering house. And I was sitting there and there was just thumping outside. He said, you hear thumping around three or four o'clock in the afternoon because that's when all the two are falling out of the trees drunk. So that... <laughs> That is a smart bird. They've they've worked out free alcohol, so that's pretty great. Yeah. They they've evolved beyond us now. <laughs> All they need now is to be able to regurgitate an aspirin in the next <laughs> yeah. or hot wings. Yeah. Just, you need to find you need to find another animal. Well, I guess the chickens, like you were talking about, Kaitana. You just yeah. get some chickens that can turn themselves into hot wings and get a perfect afternoon hanging out with us too. I, I wanted to ask you. We didn't talk about it yesterday. What's the cuisine like? there how different is it is how different is it than what they do in america uh, for the most part it's a lot of it like if you go to the restaurants here a lot of it is brought in like uh, many different places um like this is the first place i've ever been where you have a curry i'd only seen that in like uk netflix shows where people have a curry and mm -hmm. so there's a place down the road that we can get like at uh, rogan josh or vindaloo or mm -hmm. my wife loves the buttered chicken um, so a lot of this stuff um, comes in, but but there are also sort of some local delicacies, and you can expect a, uh, expect a lot of that's going to be like pawa, and that's mm -hmm. like this sh this shell. It's this uh, it's like kind of like an oyster or a clam, and, but the meat is huge. Um, so mm -hmm. there's some of that, but a lot of it is just this is this is a place where mm -hmm. a lot of people have come into, and they they sort of bring their culture with them and their amazing food along the way. Um, some I would. We haven't yet quite worked out Mexican food, and that really, oh, I miss Mexican food so much. 
Oh, I miss it so much. Is because they try and do it proper here. Like we, same thing with like uh, Cajun food. Like we went to a Cajun food restaurant in Auckland and everything was proper. Like I had said to the person, I said, um, I'm, I'm going to try your gumbo. Can I, can I try a bit of that? And they're, oh, we need to make it. It's like, make it. You should, this, should, this should be something like in a pot, you know, <laughs> it should be just, just boiling for days boiling and days, for days. <laughs> and then a big fat sweaty guy smoking a cigarette, stirring it like, you want, you want to come in? <laughs> You know, that's 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 gumbo man that's what i want not made to order and yeah. so and so the same with the mexican food is very proper and they put put all this extra stuff in there i want my mexican food to be just like encroaching everything just moving into each other right yeah. you've got your flatas your tacos and you've got your beans whatever it just everything just starts to mesh together and that's what i like real messy wonderful mexican yeah. food and we haven't quite got there yet I was told it was the same way with pizza, like even like 15, 20 years ago, because this is a very young country. And so mm -hmm. when they first got pizza, the pizza was almost like it was toppings on bread, <laughs> like yeah. half, half of the slice was bread. And so they've worked that out. So I'm, I'm hoping we, we work out uh, we work out the Mexican food because I'm dying for some really good Mexican food. It does taste different in other countries, even in the Netherlands or, or England. Mexican food doesn't taste like the Mexican food here in the States or even in Mexico. Yeah, and I, I think part of it might be because they're trying to appeal to the palate of the local mm -hmm. folks. Yes. But there's a, there's a difference here, I think, between palate and just getting it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, it's shaded towards the latter because Mexican food hasn't really taken off here. Uh, mm -hmm. And if I ever sort of had the energy to even just open up like a taco stand or something like that, Ooh, man, I could, yeah. I could change the culture here, I think. My Lord, yeah. Did you know that that in, because in in New Zealand they do have uh, cattle, right? And they have uh, the cattle ranches and stuff. Mm -hmm. And you have got the world's best um, um, way that comes from uh, it's it's New Zealand way that is grass from grass fed cattle, um, right? And and it's it's world renowned, and people love it all over the place because. Um, you guys don't have a lot of um, antibiotics and a lot of things with with your with your animals. You treat them more pristinely than we do. Yeah, there's a big. Um, yeah, they don't like all the chemicals here. There, there is, for many years, there's a big push against GMO. I think it's just it was the early stages, yeah. gen genetically modified before all the sort of the research came out and said is. For the most part, this stuff is totally fine. So they're, they're they're loosening up a lot of that. But yeah, even even the people are less medicated. Like when you when you go to to the to the doctor, they they don't. It's not like what we're used to in the U.S., where he's like just like almost like they're they're a dealer in Vegas and they're just mm -hmm. flipping inscriptions at you left and right. Here, they're really cautious about that. They they realize that this is a bit of a problem or an issue, and so he's like, "Here's one pill for you. This will take care of the pain." <laughs> If you need another, make an appointment and come back. Uh, but no, as, as you mentioned, yeah, the, the beef here is very good. The challenge is in the creation of the beef, the cows do create, because there are a lot of cows and sheep here, it do create a bit of an environmental issue. And so it's a, finding a way to balance that out a little bit because mm. some, some, <laughs> some of the effluent that comes off of that has gotten into various sort of streams and on occasion to the beach. Mm -hmm. And so we get uh, we get warnings on our on certain apps on the phone. This is maybe don't go to this beach unless you want to be covered in, in stuff you don't want to be covered in. Exactly. That's important. Yeah. Because yeah. of the uh, E. coli. 
Yeah, and just it floaters. You just you don't you don't want that coming up, you know, coming up. Yeah, that's not so good. That's not so good. Don't open your mouth when you come out of the water. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly right. She's got it. Floaters in the water. Oh boy. Oh boy. It's not it's not like they're they're like hanging around in the water though, right? This must be from rainfall and that kind of thing. That they... no, it just goes down down to the, uh, down the streams um, because there are a lot of sort of streams and tributaries, and that just kind of ends up pouring out into into the water. And our, you know, there are things like because the infrastructure in this country in various places is something the country's trying to deal with right now. Is like the like the water pipes and things like that. Some of that stuff these were put in 80, 100 years ago, and they got to be fixed. Uh, you know, the sewer systems, I heard somewhere saying, I think it was down in Wellington, that it's an amazing number, like, you know, uh, 40% of the water ends up escaping out through the pipes because they need to be fixed. But you're talking about a multi-billion dollar public works project. And, you know, who's going to run on that ticket? Who's going to say, I'm going to spend billions of dollars to do this because nobody wants to spend the money. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, it's like I said, it's a pristine place and I can drink water right out of, out of the tap. But it's like anywhere, you know, there's there's some little bits and pieces we got to we got to work on it. But it's going to take a little bit of will to pull that off. Well, and it's something that I was just thinking about and just came up in, in my own little mind is that uh, there was a mass shooting several years ago, or I'm not sure how many years ago now. Yeah, I believe it was in New Zealand. And, yeah, Christchurch. Yeah, and you guys made the decision, hint, hint, America, you guys made the decision yeah. that it wasn't worth having the guns around that people could go and shoot other people, and so you got rid of the guns. Is that, well, that, is, this is a, this was something that the Aussies did first, and I believe it's called Port Arthur, if there's any Australian listeners. Yes, uh, that's it. Yeah, and so the same sort of thing where they had a big shooting, this might have been a couple decades ago, and there were, there were actually pictures you could see of like, you know, the rifles, assault rifles and that in big piles uh, in Australia, like on the news and all that sort of thing. Because they went, listen, this is this is not working for us. We don't yeah. want to do this again. And so, yeah, they put some they put restrictions here. I mean, there is some pushback because it's like anything with this, you know, 99 percent of the people that own guns or, you know, they might be farmers or whatever they might be, but they're going to use them the proper way. And so that ends up sort of restricting them. But yeah, they ended up uh, curtailing some of um, some of the stuff you can buy, and also for the first time, they have been trying to institute a gun registry for the first time. Um, and I don't remember where that is right now, but it's it's slow going because there's a lot of things yeah. in a country like this, for the most part, that just take a bit of time. Yeah, um, and yeah, but, but yeah, but no, they that was that was a major impact uh, on this country because it was something that for them had always been something that was overseas. Yeah. But it was really it was really beautiful to see the country come together and and the warmth that New Zealanders mm-hmm. showed each other uh, was really uh, was really beautiful to, to see. It was I mean, it was a little to some extent. It's a terrible parallel, but one of the few I've got like after 9-11 where people before time were kind of nicer to each other for the most part, <laughs> unless you look like you might've been Muslim, I guess, but, but people were just a bit kinder to each other, you know, for a time after we kind of got over it. And so we, we have a version of that and the Kiwis are kind for the most part by, by their nature, but they were very, uh, but they were very, very kind uh, and very warm to that community because those mm-hmm. folks suffered 
immensely and still to this day are, are dealing with the aftermath of that. I imagine they were just horrified. Everybody was horrified. Yeah. Well, it, it didn't it didn't make any sense. This was something that doesn't happen here. You know, and it's always something that doesn't happen here until it does. And so then and we've seen and no condemnation to to Americans because I love Americans. I really do. But we just haven't worked that out. And I, I don't know why we haven't worked it out. And I think the whole world looks at the U.S. and and takes a look and says, like, why is that such a problem there? And I don't know if anybody has the total answer, but it would seem that you could take some steps to curtail some of the problems that are there. You you would think, but it's it's a political issue. It's a money issue. It's um, yeah. all all of those things. And and I don't know honestly if um, Sandy Hook, which was you know a dozen years ago now, if, if Sandy Hook wasn't enough to right. get us to change, where twenty kids mm-hmm. in the first grade are killed, um, right. that doesn't do it. I have no earthly idea what it's going to be. No, getting out of control, getting out of control here. No, absolutely. All the time, every single Monday morning in the new, like, oh, so many. So, but it's it's funny because um, I actually worked in a newsroom. Uh, (laughs) I worked in a newsroom here um, before I did the other show I was on. I was working at, because we have two television stations here for the most part. We have TVNZ, that's that's channel one, and then TV three. And so... um, we were an affiliate of we were an affiliate of uh, a big U.S. a big U.S. network, and so they would call me up and ask me about the top stories of the day, and so I would I would always kind of laugh. I say, "What are your top stories?" And it was just you know, it's like war, famine, disease, and it's like, "So what are your top stories over there, Dick?" He's like, "We had an octopus that escaped, uh, but they got it." <laughs> yeah, he snuck. He snuck right out of the tank, and there's film and everything. We're leading with that tonight. That's our biggest story: the octopus that escaped. So, <laughs> so well, that was that's pretty great. That's pretty great. But that that was the biggest story of the day. And so, yeah, I gotta say, it, it's it was lovely to do the news in this country uh, because they were actually quite yeah. sweet stories for the most part. Breaking news! Breaking news! Ten birds fell out of a tree today. Exactly, exactly. They're going to an AA program. Poor birds. <laughs> Hi, my name is Chippy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. So, Kaya Kai Tani, he's been a um, stand-up comic. He worked in radio and television, and he produced a show that um, did very well down there. And yeah, yeah. You, you were working a lot of hours. and uh, yeah. But now you're an author, and you are captain of your own ship as it were right well i've always done the author thing and then i've sort of (laughs) some people would go like you know you do your dream you hedge your bet with something sensible and i decided not to do that so (laughs) instead i i I did the writing thing and then i i got into stand-up comedy and then got into you know a totally unstable sort of um, a totally unstable profession filled with unstable people. I included myself yeah. at the time. Uh, and, and then into radio, same sort of thing. Uh, as you guys know, it's, 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 it can be pretty nuts. And then into television. Uh, but the, the writing thing was always there along the way. Uh, and then when our show wrapped up here uh, about uh, three weeks ago, I was like, uh, I'm just going to go full time into the writing. And that's what I've been doing. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been great. I've really been enjoying it. You know, you still put the same pressures on yourself. You would yeah. think that, you know, when you when you don't have to when you're not beholden, as you would know, Kevin, because you're doing this yourself. But when you're not beholden to the boss and your own boss, that the pressure would come down. 
It hasn't. <laughs> I'm my own boss, and that guy's a jerk. He just won't give me any time off. <laughs> you know, I, I just keep working. I keep working. No lunch breaks, nothing. I know. But I no, worked I mean, on Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, but I've really, I've really been loving it. Um, sitting down and, and creating these worlds and interacting with readers has been fantastic. It's really a joy. Well, and you must be one of those guys. Did you, did you have like ADD or ADHD growing up? Because you seem to be always doing something. You're always going. You're always doing. You know, part of it is, and uh, I may have told you this before, I have narcolepsy. And so that's, it's that's right. where, where I'm sleepy all the time. And if I'm if I'm not always doing something and always moving, like uh, I know a lot of people are listening and not watching necessarily, but I have a, a deck of cards here that I keep in front of me. And if I'm like, if I'm speaking with somebody, if I find myself drifting off, because I do drift off, I just, yeah. I'll do something physical like that. I'll shuffle the cards a bit. I go do that. I'll do that for hours and hours if I'm thinking about something. Um, but yeah, no, I, I've got to keep moving. I got to keep doing something. Because if I don't, I, I get into that uh, slow drive. But there are times, yeah. there are times where I want slow drive. I want to just sit and be quiet. Because that's where, for me, the creativity comes from. That's where mm -hmm. my mind begins to wander. And I really think some of the stories have come up with and some of the characters that have come up with because they're pretty gonzo. <laughs> a lot that has come from this yeah. this sort of dreamlike state that I fall into uh, with the narcolepsy. Whereas mm -hmm. at one point, as I've said to you before, I believe, Kevin, at one point it was like, you know, what a burden. I've got this narcolepsy. But now I see it as a superpower. I really do. I see it as a creative superpower. And it's something that I uh, that I embrace. It it can be frustrating to be as tired as I am, and I just work on that frustration. And I just I but I know that it pays me in dividends. I know that it mm -hmm. helps with the creativity. So mm -hmm. I see it as a positive force in my life now. Well, that that's you know you you get uh, what is it? You get uh, lemons, you make lemonade. So you do yeah. what right. you got. Um, right. Or but, in Australia, uh, Lynchburg lemonade because you don't throw a bit of a bit of whiskey in there. <laughs> Everybody's got a little bit of whiskey in there. That's, that's right. That's right. That's the whole yeah. thing. Uh, Kaitani, you do a great job of asking great questions, and I know you prepared a couple for for him. <laughs> so, Dick, be be careful. Here we go. Yeah. Right. So I want you to know. So, in, in your Instagram account, you said that you write about stuff that makes you think and laugh. What yeah. kind of content provoke uh, both through uh, thought and laughter for you, and also life See, awareness? You said life awareness. See, I, I think um, the other side of that is, is like now I write and it took me many years to do this. And as a, you guys are creators, too, I, I spent many years trying to create stuff that I thought would sell. I spent a, an, an enormous amount of time, an enormous amount of time just putting all my effort in like, oh, this will sell. That'll sell. And it was only when I started to write the stuff that made me laugh. It was only stuff that I really liked, almost as if I'm writing this book for myself. Mm -hmm. That's when the success came. And and it and I was a bit thick and maybe other people realize that before me. But I think when it comes to creative arts, um, you've got to be doing the thing you like. And so when it comes to things that that make me think and laugh, that comes from the characters. These characters like it, it's funny how many people have commented about my character, Kane, who, <laughs> you know, he was a wolf. He got bitten by this infected soldier and the next he turned into a human. And so how's Gonzo as that sounds, but what that does is that is in a vehicle for Cain, uh, now a human, to observe human beings through sort of this lens of an animal. So 
his past was an animal. And so he sees things that humans are doing that seem a bit strange. And then when you step back, you kind of go like, he's got a point. <laughs> we, we, that's a bit nuts. And so that, that's what I mean by, I guess, what things that make me think of it, because there's a bit of his philosophy in it. Yeah. Um, or, or even just his observations, which also mm -hmm. lends itself to uh, a fair bit of humor. Mm -hmm. um, so those are the things I really think well, that that line from Instagram really was about me finally understanding a few years ago that mm -hmm. I've got to write the book as something that I want to enjoy, that there's yeah. something that I like hanging out with my character friends in my head, the voices in my head that I put down on paper. And uh, and I and that's a blast. There's nothing like really, really being in that creative flow. It's yeah. an amazing feeling, and um and you guys know what that's that's like too, yeah. I'm sure. But when you're really flowing and it's it's almost like you're touching the face of God. It just yeah. is this amazing, just this an overwhelming experience that I just yeah. love, and you crave more and more of. Yeah. No. What is your connection? Sorry. <laughs> What yeah. is your connection with walls? How do you decide to get to, to, to create books about walls? So that came. <laughs> I love walls too. They're so cool. Uh, and so that actually came from I, I, I had to get a book out of my system. <laughs> uh, and it was not supernatural. The rest of us are writing supernatural. When I say supernatural, it's not like, oh, they're fantasy and wizards and there's not stuff like that. My supernatural books are, are funny. And they just a supernatural thing gives me an opportunity to kind of be funny or or sweet or mm -hmm. create some some drama. <clears throat> But I have I had written a book uh, called Live Shot, and it was set in basically a newsroom. This this woman who's this reporter. That was it's also quite funny, but it has nothing at all to do with supernatural. But in doing so, I ended up interviewing a lot of people who were in news. And there's a saying in news, which you might know, you know, dog bites man. That's not a story, but man bites dog. That's a story. That's and amazing. so I kept hearing this over and over again from people. And then as my subconscious or maybe the narcolepsy works, that phrase got down there into my subconscious, start cooking away. And I started thinking, what if that was a story? What would happen? And so then the man bites dog idea turned into man bites wolf. And and so then it, you know, as the subconscious works, it evolved. And then, okay, now he turns into, the wolf turns into a human. But when the moon comes out, He turns into a werewolf, basically, mm -hmm. or depending on the moon phase, he turns into a dog. And yeah. so all of that, <laughs> all of that came from that one phrase, that idea, man bites dog, that's the story. And so mm -hmm. that seeded into, um, seeded into my subconscious and ended up creating this character, Kane. Uh, and so I start looking into wolves and they're the coolest things. They're so neat. One of the things I love about it, like Kane, uh, through the story, he's searching for this guy who bit him to find out. You know, what is this thing? Why did he got infected and turned into a human? Why, why did this happen? Because he wants to reverse it. Mm -hmm. He wants to go back to being a wolf again. He's been he's been a human for a year. <laughs> and he's like, I, I want to be a wolf again because he misses the days of running free and naked through the woods. He I mean, he could do that as human, <laughs> but he'd get incarcerated. Yeah, exactly. Probably some significant frostbite, uh, to be honest. Mm -hmm. yeah. Very unfortunate frostbite. Uh, but no, that's basically where that stems from. And I ended up looking into um, how how these wolves are. And they're so neat. And you would know this. It's like it's not like you always hear alpha male, but that's not how a wolf pack works. Mm -hmm. Wolf pack is an alpha male and an alpha female. Yeah. It's a partnership between yeah. alpha male and alpha female. And mm -hmm. that's really neat. And I don't know how unique that is in the animal, animal world. Mm -hmm. But so in the story, for example, Kane's trying to get back to his wolf wife, as he says, uh, mm -hmm. throughout the entire story. But I, wolves are, are really fascinating, super yeah. smart. 
Yeah. Um, uh, go beautiful creatures, just gorgeous. Uh, and I love just their, their style. Yeah. So when, when you were um, in the flow and you're writing yeah. this and you came yeah. across the description of a six foot seven French Canadian man, <laughs> uh, did, did you stop at that and go, I don't know if that, I don't know about that. Mm -hmm. Or did, was it just kind of like in the flow and there we are? Yeah. That, you know, I trust it. If nothing else, because if for people that write humor, you'll sort of almost understand the sort of the lyrical rhythm of that. The six foot seven French Canadian, because it's not six foot six, six foot seven. There's just something about that that struck me as really funny. And the idea that he's French Canadian, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? A six foot seven French Canadian that used to be a wolf and sometimes turns into a werewolf. That was just sort of a funny idea to me. But it's it's, it's interesting. So, but there are, I'm, I'm not totally rudderless, right? So when I came up with this, this idea that, you know, the man bit this wolf, the wolf turns into the six foot seven bridge Canadian. Uh, and then uh, in the moonlight, he turns into this sort of werewolf or reverse mm -hmm. werewolf kind of character, right? But so then I was like, I don't, if I'm gonna write this story, I don't wanna have to wait 28, 30 days until he ah, turns into some cool creature. Exactly. I want, that's a long time to wait and I'm impatient. I want something more to happen as, as a reader or as a writer. So I started to wonder about this Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I've ever seen this. I've asked people. I said, like, so, so you with the werewolves, the full moon comes out. the The guy turns into a werewolf. Well, what? What if it was a half moon? What if it was a quarter moon or a sliver? Why? Why is it just the full moon? Mm -hmm. You know, it's still moonlight. And so I started to think, well, what if he turned into a lesser wolf? What if he turned into something smaller than that? And so, so if it's a half moon or a quarter moon, like with a sliver of moon, he turns into what a lesser wolf is, and that's a dog. Mm -hmm. And so he turns into a little lap dog. And then if it's like a half moon, he, he turns into a pug. <laughs> if it's a three-quarter moon, he turns into a Rottweiler, and so larger and larger until that. And so that is another fun part of the story for me. So, so I took sort of that that insane narcolepsy-driven creativity, but then also my writer brain said, how do I flesh this out a bit? And so that's what it turned into. And that became a real fun vehicle in the story for mm -hmm. a lot of humor. So, you know, like when there's a real tense situation, he's got a partner named Imelda, who mm -hmm. is a sort of a former criminal, maybe not yeah. so former. Mm -hmm. uh, she used to be getaway driver, so she drives around places because he's terrible at driving. Um, but so when they get into these scrapes and stuff like that, and then they go outside, if it's nighttime and he goes into the moonlight, suddenly if he turns into a pug dog, she's she's now there racing along against the bad guys with a pug at her side. And so, yeah, yeah it's been really it's been fun. It's a really I've had such a blast doing this series. Yeah, that's that's really cool. That's really amazing. Go ahead, Katana. I was going to ask, are these part of your TV series or um, the Wolf series or not? Or are you going to be making into TV series? Like, you uh, know, right it, now it, we have Wolf series all over and there's, they're fascinating. I mean, I I watch them all. <laughs> so so it's funny. Uh, and like I was saying before, I wrote this thinking this is what, what I am interested in doing, right? And so I put it out. And within two weeks of this coming out, the guys from Podium Audio rang me up and said, hey, we want to turn this into an audiobook." I'd never had that experience before. I've been writing my entire life. I wrote up most of an entire series. Mm -hmm. And within two weeks of putting this out, the guys from Podium, Podium Audio called up and said, we want to make this an audiobook." which means two of these L.A.-based actors are going to act out an audiobook. 
How amazing is that? And so the first one, uh, then they've done the first three books and the first one comes out here on January 16th. Uh, it, you can pre-order it now and I would love it if you did. <laughs> it's on Audible or Amazon. But that's that to me is, is so this I'm sitting in. Uh, and again, for people that are listening, I'm in a, a two car garage in Auckland, New Zealand. And in, in New Zealand, they don't park the cars in the garages for the most part. This is where they carpet them. They carpet them. This becomes another room. So my office is in one quarter of a two-car garage. <laughs> the rest of this, all this other stuff, this house here, that's all my wife's. That all that belongs to her. <laughs> all that is, this is my space right here. But in this space here, um, at you know four o'clock in the morning, uh, I wrote this crazy story. And now there's these two amazing, talented ones like this Audible Award winner because um, he's playing Kane and she's amazing. Uh, and an actress who's appeared on television um, and they're going to put their skills into this and bring the story to life in a way that I had never anticipated. And so I just get chills thinking about it. I'm really stoked. And, and you know, and that's the thing is, is once we sort of hear what they can do with it and, and what they can do with they bring in that emotion and drama, who knows? Mm -hmm. there, there might be a TV series down the way and mm -hmm. I might have had uh, an inquiry or two about this. So fingers crossed. I would love to see it as a series. Uh, it would be amazing to me. It would, it would be absolutely amazing. I'd love to see what they're doing. Would you like, you. You would like your series to be a, like a Netflix series or a HBO, HBO Max or who, whoever picks it? You know, I think it's it's funny. Um, there was a time, um, and that this time has passed, obviously, but there was a time 20 years ago when the idea of turning something into a TV series, like, oh, it's going to be on that network over there, <laughs> and mm -hmm. it's not going to be very good. But, man, there's some <laughs> There's some good TV. I mean, Apple, Apple of all places, doing some amazing TV. Yeah. Uh, we were just watching one from FX the other night. Uh, that mm. is really good. And I think uh, what AMC might have started that trend a little bit with Breaking mm. Bad, where it's like yeah. you can actually do quality television programming and then suddenly all the stars start coming into that. And there's some amazing stuff, like you mentioned, HBO. There's some amazing stuff uh, they're creating in television. So, yeah. yeah, I'm up for anything. Anybody who's going to treat it well, you know, someone who's a fan of the story. That's what you need. Yeah, you know, right. you need someone who's a fan of, of the story, uh, of the characters. Mm -hmm. And I, I trust somebody who loves the characters as much as I do is going to be able to create mm -hmm. something pretty great. Yeah. Do you want to produce it? No. No, man. <clears throat> I, there, there's, uh, there's a guy I sort of know. His name is Max Brooks. Uh, he is Mel Brooks' son, uh, the oh. comedian Mel Brooks. Yeah. Max Brooks um, has written a series of novels, and one of them was called World War Z, which was turned into a movie oh. with Brad yes. Pitt. And, and the movie is, is quite different than the book. And I'd asked him about that. And I said, does that bother? He goes, no. He says, here's what you do is if you sell, <laughs> if you sell your book, to like a TV studio or a, a film company or something like that. You just, you take the check and you walk away. You just, that part's done now. Because if you worry too much what they're going to do, and this was his advice, it might be different for everybody else. And he obviously comes from a Hollywood family, but he said like, you worry too much about what they're going to do and what they're going to change and all that stuff. He says, it will kill you. He said, mm -hmm. just give it to them. And, and you know, you can put some parameters in there and say, Hey, listen, I would like this, this, and this, put some in the contract. But after the contract mm -hmm. is signed, you're done and walk away. Mm -hmm. And so it's difficult as a television producer to do mm -hmm. that, but I, he's much smarter than I am in that area. So I will take that, that advice and do the same. I have a question. Would... 
will you will the uh, will the own the book themselves? I mean, like the series, uh, you can still sell the books as they are, right? Sure. Even though they pick it up to produce it as a as a series. Yeah. So what happens is like so even with like the audiobooks, right? So mm -hmm. I've sold the rights to my audiobooks, but mm -hmm. I own the rights to all my novels. Mm -hmm. And so at some point, if a, a television uh, production company comes in, they want to create a TV series out of it. I still control the novels. Mm -hmm. um, it would be different if I decide to go traditional publishing when it comes to books, because now mm -hmm. you're selling the book rights at that point. I mean, I still own all that stuff. So, yeah, I'd still have complete authority to do what I want to do. When you take a look at like Game of Thrones um, and, uh, and other various properties where you take a look at the storylines begin to <laughs> diverge, where, you know, mm -hmm. in part because George never finished those last couple of <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so they had to come up with it, but they'll make choices that might be different than what happens in the book and that's totally mm -hmm. fine it's their mm -hmm. it's their version of the property and so mm -hmm. uh yeah I, i'll hold on to all my stuff because i am quite covetous in that sense i want to hold mm -hmm. on to my, my, my own books well i'm sure that you've heard often you know i love the book but you know the movie just wasn't nearly as good because they've got time restraints and mm -hmm. all that yeah. Kind of stuff. yeah and and that's and that's i mean you have to go into yeah have you ever read a book and you saw the movie and it was better I can't nope. think of a single time because it's, but the thing is, it's such a totally different experience. And so mm -hmm. you've just got to go in, like, here's some characters that are going to be quite similar. I actually, there was one that kind of came close. There's a guy named Gregory McDonald who wrote a book called Fletch many years ago, and he'd written some follow-ups. And then um, when that got turned into, um, when that got turned into a movie with Chevy Chase at the time, and then actually mm -hmm. most recently with uh, John Hamm um, with Confess Fletch, the film, because it was Chevy Chase, was quite funny, mm -hmm. obviously, where the character Fletch in the book was snarky, but not quite funny. And mm -hmm. I noticed that as the books progressed with Gregory McDonald in, in those books, that he actually made the character funnier. So mm -hmm. he actually was taking influence from the movies and inserting it into the books. <laughs> so that, I thought it was pretty fascinating. That's but one of the few times I've seen I've seen. I'm going to say that the film was better than the books, but it was mm -hmm. it was more fun, you could say. And even the author himself seemed to embrace that. My my guess, embrace that and sort of include it. Exactly. You know, uh, Kaitana, you may not know who Mel Brooks is. Oh, I know who Mel Brooks is. Yes. Oh, very nice. And so, for those of you who don't, he did Blazing Saddles and right. and Young Frankenstein and and a, a yeah. bunch of. I saw Blazing Saddles in the theater in the first run. Cool. I'm Wow, what a beautiful experience! It, it was, especially the um, uh, baked bean scene. I'd never seen it <laughs> in my entire right. life. Right, I love it. It, it. It's always it's fun to watch creators like that, and I love hearing those old school guys, uh, old school guys talk. Because when you think about that, and I, I guess I feel that maybe there's some parallel because when Mel Brooks was was saying, "Here's I want to do this movie," he had to have people at the studio going like, "What?" Same thing with Young Frankenstein. It's like, what are you talking about, Mel? What, what's wrong? Do you need help? Blink twice if you need help, Mel. What's going on? And so, and with my stories a bit too, you take a look. It's like, let me understand what you're saying, Dick. Uh, so this is a former wolf who turns into a six foot seven French Canadian who sometimes turns into dogs. What is wrong with you? <laughs> you know? So I think there's similar conversations. So that's probably the only parallel that I can say with, uh, with Mel Brooks, but other than maybe one day it'll turn into a film. Who knows? Yes. <laughs> but you know, it, it, the story, the way that you describe it and the way that you, you build it, it makes perfect sense. Why wouldn't, you know, when, it's, when there's a full moon and it turns into a werewolf, 
why wouldn't it turn into a chihuahua if it's a, like a little I, sliver of a moon? See, this is what I was saying, because I was thinking, why has this not come up before? <laughs> why is this not? <laughs> Maybe it might be that werewolves aren't real. That might be the issue. But I think just in, 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 in a creative sense, you think like, why is that happened before? And so I might have, and I'm sure there's people that are going to contradict me somewhere, but I might have stumbled upon something that has not been written, that at least that entity, that part yeah. of it has not been written before, which is kind of neat in a way. Especially because I really the pioneer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're changing the game, you know. (laughs) You must also bite and you know, you know, bring diseases and destroy other humans. (laughs) (laughs) No, he he's he's a good guy. It's and it's been really fun doing uh the two different voices, you know, because um I I end up sort of hearing them as I write. Um, I had this amazing scene, and I'll tell this just quick story because you're talking about the creativity, right, and how much control you have. So I had this scene in the the other series, um, but I had these two characters, and they were breaking into basically what was like this Facebook, right, this big Facebook headquarters. So these two characters are breaking in, and so they're being chased by the bad guys, and the only way they can get in is to go underneath the building through these tunnels. Now, the floors of the tunnels are electrified. And so what they do is they hop on top of these two Roombas, uh, these you know motorized <laughs> vacuums, and they ride these two motorized vacuums over top of this electrified floor to sneak inside. And so I'm writing that scene, and I, that's all I'm planning. I just want to get him inside, and one of the characters decides that they want to beat the other one inside. In other words, one character decides this is going to be a race. You're going to picture they're being chased by by bad guys if they touch the floor they die but it doesn't matter these two characters one's like oh i'm gonna beat him in oh no you're not gonna beat me and so one like throws a stock forward so that this uh the rumor goes up to chase after the sock faster and that's what i mean i never came up with that i never decided i want to make i want to have them race it was something that as i'm writing the characters from that subconscious came up or, or what somebody um, years ago, I got the privilege of speaking with Tom Petty when I was uh, doing radio. And Tom Petty had this amazing line when people asked him about inspiration, creativity. And he said, it just comes down in gifts. You know, I can't tell you where creativity comes from. It just comes down, it comes down in these little gifts. And mm-hmm. that's what that felt like. And it was a, and I use that example because it's a real small moment, but that's a moment of just an example of like, as I'm creating a scene and a story and all the, all this, everything I put in there as a writer, but just then suddenly the characters go, no, 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 I'm, be- I'm beating this guy. <laughs> and suddenly that's coming onto the page. And that's an amazing experience. A moment like that is an amazing, wonderful experience to have as a creator. You know, when you talk about Tom Petty, there's another guy. Uh, you, he's been around for a long time and a little bit of note, and you might have heard his name. But he woke up with a song in his head. Um, right. And he carried it around for like two, two weeks, and he talked to his writing partner and his manager and stuff, and he play the song and they said where did i hear this from where did this come from and it's just and so everybody said i don't have any idea which i've never heard this before and um it ended up being the song yesterday by paul mccartney amazing uh, that he and to this day he's 81 years old he'll say i have no earthly idea where that came from it just appeared in total you know and it and it's funny because i think it took me a while to accept that sort of thing, you know, they, to accept that sort of upside influence or I don't necessarily outside influence, but just those moments being open to, like you mentioned a moment ago, the idea of like, you know, this made sense, six percent French Canadian. It's like, 
you sort of open yourself up and go, yeah, okay, let's go with that. Let's run with that. And that is a real freeing. There's got to be times where you do start to, <laughs> you herd your cats a bit, but being open and, and letting your mind sort of wander and, and go into those creative spaces. Um, and, 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 you know, when it comes to yesterday, one of the most beautiful songs ever written, it doesn't surprise me to some extent. It doesn't surprise me that that just sort of came from inspiration because it does sound like inspired. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. Uh, Kai, see, Kaitana, I told you that we'd have fun talking to, to Dick. He, he's pretty <laughs> Yeah, <cool>. <laughs> <laughs> I was so looking forward to, <laughs> to this uh, uh, radio show today. Now, what, what I suggest everybody do, if, yeah. if you've got a moment, is to go to dickwybrow.com and buy, it's Christmas time, buy all eight books, distribute them <laughs> to the family. And from the one series and the other books that are coming, distribute them, and then you guys can trade off. You start yeah. one with one, and so forth. And so, well, um, you could do this. You could you could start with the Kane series because there's three in that. And if you like it, the fourth one comes out next year, and the fifth one as well. Then go to the Hellings series. Or if you're not a book reader, try the uh, like I mentioned, the audiobook coming up yeah. here in, in January. Because uh, I listen to a lot of audiobooks because I'm really busy. And I, I get yeah. sleepy when I when I read. So, <laughs> yeah. but no, I appreciate that very much, and I appreciate both you guys. You guys have been fantastic. Thank uh, you, and, and Kevin. Thank you so much for having oh, me. Oh, what a pleasure to meet you. Well, you you're just amazing, and 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 the reason I want them to go to your website to buy the books is because you make a little bit more money if it can be that. Because I I, I want, before I let you go, I wanted to ask yeah. you because sure. creators right now it seems to me are in a vice. They're, they're working to create and do what they, but the powers that be are keeping the dollars down like musicians uh, with Spotify and some of the other ones. Are, is that, do you think that's going to change so that um, creative people can get paid for what they do the, the way it used to be? Uh, I, I think that I have a lot of faith in creative people and people in general. Uh, like, for example, um, I, <clears throat> when I first started getting into uh, to writing and publishing this sort of thing, um, I was submitting my stuff to publishing houses and they held all the keys, you know, and they, they and you know, those were difficult doors to get into. And so I independently published and 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 now there's an entire community, several communities of people that they're to help other independently published people. So I put my books out. I own the rights. I write them. I, I contract somebody to make a cover. I pay for the editing. So I, I am in total control of that. You know, the publishing industry um, back back when I was trying to get into it, they, those doors were closed. And there were people that set up avenues to let me do this independently. And now I've got publishing companies asking to publish my books. And I don't know, maybe I'm doing all right by myself. But, yeah. Yeah. And but I take a look at stuff like that and my heart goes out to a lot of these musicians because um, because, yeah, you, you've got like these places, uh, these big music aggregators that are pushing stuff out. They're making pennies on the dollar. I really have faith in creators and people that they'll find another avenue. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's just is a nature. But because if we don't start paying them properly, they won't be able to keep doing the stuff they need to do. And mm -hmm. that's got to make sense to somebody. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, and I know you take a look at what would happen uh, with the Hollywood strikes and that, and a lot of that conversation was that you have to pay us properly or you won't get the movies and TV that you want. Mm -hmm. And they had to fight. That was one of the longest, uh, one of the longest strikes ever was in, in, mm -hmm. uh, in Hollywood, uh, yeah. just to convince these huge multi-billion dollar companies to, to pay them properly. Mm -hmm. 
But yeah, I, I have I have I have faith. I have I, I do. I have faith in people. I hope you're right. Kaitan, anything you'd like to add before we go? Um yeah, I'm very uh thankful to have you here today and I wish you come back soon to meet us here and continue with the conversation. Yeah. I love chatting with you both. Thank you so much. Yeah. You're both lovely people. We, you. <laughs> you know, it was, it was interesting. I was talking with you less than 24 hours ago. I remember that conversation. I'm a little older now. And I went to the doctor and they said, repeat these three words. And then she said a bunch of other stuff. And then I was supposed to remember those three words. Couldn't. Anyway, but it was less than 24 hours ago. And I can still talk to you for another hour. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's, let's pick a time and we'll get back together uh, down the road. I'd love to chat again. You guys are great. Yeah, you, 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 Thank you, you are as well. Go to uh, his website, which is dickwybrow.com and pick up all of his books. And he's got a new one coming out in just four days. Four days, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly right. Mm -hmm. Book number three in the in the Cane book series. Yes. Is that exciting? Is that like giving giving birth or something like that? Um, it, for, for me, it was the, the old line, uh, from, uh, what, uh, Truman Capote is saying, like, uh, putting a book out in the world is like taking your child in the front yard and shooting it was his line. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite so severe for me, but yeah, I actually, I love, uh, putting books out to the world. Um, I've had some amazing, beautiful conversation with readers. And that is one thing that technology, you know, there's some negativity to technology, but there's one thing that technology has done for me, if nothing else, let me connect directly to readers. And it, mm -hmm. it is, it's been a beautiful experience for me to, to hear that feedback and have them ask questions mm -hmm. uh, about the characters and stuff like that, which is really neat because they, to some extent, you know, here's something I created, like I said, in some other part of the world in the future, uh, in my garage in Auckland, New Zealand, and there's somebody in Canada or there's somebody in Australia, or there's somebody in Germany, there's somebody in the UK or the US, and they stuck into that world that, that I created in this room and they seem to be really enjoying it, mm -hmm. um, really loving it. And so that has, been, that has been really heartwarming for me. In fact, I got, uh, if I, we have a second, I got an email from a woman just a couple of weeks ago and she, her father was very sick and there some troubles at, at her job. And she said to me, she said, you know what, for all the difficulty and challenges that was going on and the darkness around me, I knew when I came home at night, I could spend a couple hours with your two characters and hang out in their world. And I knew at some point it would be okay. And I get a couple laughs out of it. But it was just, and she was thanking me for all, of all things, just that there was this little sort of island that she could go to at night and hang out with these characters. And I mean, what can... Is there any more beautiful thing you can get from somebody who who's into your stuff? That, that was mm -hmm. the, the loveliest thing in the world for somebody to say to me. So, mm -hmm. so she, she got something out of it, and I got I, I feel I got far more out of that from that conversation. So I'm very I'm very lucky. I'm very very lucky. It's it's kind of fun that, that you will you've created a legacy that's going to live a long long time, and no. that's somebody's going to pick up book number one. In a in a bookstore or a used bookstore or off uh, off of Grandpa's shelf or whatever, they're going to read it and then they're going to have to go find the other books, and and it it will become a big thing. You know, it's it's just going to continue, and that this should make you very proud. I, I I'm quite proud of that. I am quite proud of that, yeah. and I'm quite thankful. I've got a supporting partner in my wife because she's been fantastic and 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 kicking my butt when she needs to, and pat my head when she's got to do that too. So she's she's been great. You know, <laughs> I got to ask you one question about that, and that is, you were in, for 20 years. You were producing a television show. You were working 60 hours a week. That yep. that ended three weeks ago, and now yep. you're home. 
did, did has she ever said to you, why are you home and why can't you go find something else to do? I can answer that by saying my wife has never read my books, right? She reads the beginnings. I'll tell you, and I'll tell you why. She said, I, I can't read your books because when I read them, I hear your voice. And of course, I go like, what is that supposed to mean? It's like, it's just blah, blah, blah from you. But no, but she says that when she actually reads my books, she can't get into the characters because she can hear my voice saying those particular words is how mm. she puts it. So she's excited about the audiobook, but she's yeah, been supportive. For that. Yeah. But she she's been supportive the entire time and she's she's behind me hundred uh, percent and I love it. In her in her own way. Like I said, she she's not a constant cheerleader and, and I would find that false at some point. So she she gives me that dose of reality when I need it, which I love. Congratulations. Oh, that, that is just awesome. So, Caetano, yeah. uh, thank you so much for, for thank doing Thank you, you guys. Yeah, it was a few. You okay. come up with some great questions, and I really appreciate that. Thank so, you. Yeah. Um, and, and Dick, fun. I'm looking forward to seeing you again very soon. Um, it's it's And congratulations. And, and when the miniseries comes on, will you come on back? I will. I definitely. I'll be back. When, yeah. when when uh, when when that uh, when that email comes in, that ink comes uh, comes dry. I'll be back on the show to show and, uh, tell you all about it. Yeah, that would, that would be awesome. And then when the red carpet comes, then you'll have to come back again. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe we put Kevin in as a character. Maybe we make you one of uh, we make you a character. <laughs> that would be beautiful. I would be frightening. <laughs> I can't imagine what you do. I mean, and I would you not be a, the book. Yes, I would not be a world. six foot seven inch uh, French Canadian buff guy. I'd yeah. I'd be like the the slug at the the you know anyway. <laughs> there's a guy that uh, there's a guy uh, that builds motorcycles. I could see you being potentially being a guy that there's a guy that builds motorcycles. You might be that guy. Who knows? <laughs> Dick, thank you so much for being here, Kaitana. Thank you. Thank you. you. Well. Have an amazing evening. Thank you. And you Thank guys, you. and it's it's the middle of the day tomorrow for you, yeah, so for it you. is it is Friday. Have a wonderful uh, Christmas weekend. Good yeah, happy holidays to everyone. And uh, take care, and uh, hold on, and I'll be right back. Hey, thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of PositiveTalkRadio.net. Please visit our website, oddly named PositiveTalkRadio.net, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember... Be kind to one another because 